Welcome, listeners, to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. You're listening to Season 7. This would be Episode Number 12. ASI247.org. Like to thank Carlton, Glenn, Seth, S. Co-producers who making this show possible. ASI247.org again to uh, become a co-producer of this here podcast today. Talking about freedom, like that song, man, gets the blood pumping. Let's hear some more of that. Going back to 2004, Mooney Suzuki. Another song from the ASI Podcast Bumps playlist on Spotify. Turn Me On and Turn Me Up, Alive and Amplified. That's the name of that song. Love that tune, man. Hold on. It's morning as I'm recording this. Getting sip of the old Java. Oh, that is good. That was good stuff. Living here in the Seattle area has made me a bit of a coffee snob, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to drink. Uh, crappy coffee anymore. Folgers is just, you know, uh, I have to be really struggling to buy Folgers anymore. I'm all about that life over death thing, right? Whether it's junky American coffee or that that feeling that life is just sort of passing me by, right? Some of those depressed feels that can move in. It's so cool how music like that can tend to bust up some of those feels, right? And it's it's funny how some of that sexual language is in being alive, right? Turn me on. You hear that in a lot of lyrics. It's not necessarily sexual. Turn me up and turn me on. I'm alive and amplified. It's a freedom anthem, man. And this show is being about some of the language around freedom, all right? Realizing that, um, yeah, there's that feeling of freedom and then giving yourself over to, like, arousal, for example. (laughs) Whether that's arousal from alcohol, drugs, there's different things that can obviously trap us or entangle us or snare, right? This is language that's the opposite of freedom. The opposite of arousal is like security language, you know, guarded, guarded, right? I'm not going to get too excited, right? You hear some of this in these, in my country here in the United States, um, which we just celebrated our Independence Day, July 4th, as part of why this is on my mind. It's always been a very touchy 
beautiful personal holiday for me um, around this anthem of freedom. Um, but yeah, so here in the United States, we have these like pharmaceutical ads and there's a lot of depression medication out there. Ask your doctor about, you know, Trilexa or something like that. And they always, they bring up this, um, are you having a hard time finding pleasure in the things that you used to enjoy? Right. That'd be the opposite of arousal, whether it's bad habit you know, compulsive behavior or addiction, all of that language entails being in a cage. And I imagine a big part of why you're even listening is looking for a way out or seeking clues to find a way out of that cage or trap. It's another reason they do those pharmaceutical ads, right? Ask your doctor about Moody Suzuki. (laughs) Several milligrams. Uh... And listen, I'm not anti-medication. I've been on medication before. Um, Sometimes it's really a needed thing. This is part of that process of walking out of the prison or cage, right? Starting to get up and move on out. And that's a big part of why this show exists. We talk about the belief systems, um, the language the philosophy and theology around what can break us out of the cage. What do you believe and what we do or tend to be two very different things. And I know I touched on theology and sometimes even me and doing the show in the early days, like there's a correct way to think about God. Um, that aside, I was recently confronted with this old saying that you may have heard before, especially if you're American. Stand for something or die for anything. What does that mean? What is the depths? What is the richness of that phrase? It's very American. (laughs) Just getting over the 4th of July, I've been geeking out and thinking on... This word freedom, you know, being a freedom fighter, calling myself that back in the day. Freedom isn't free. And and some of the things that I really held fast to and where where are things today and what really is true freedom. Did I mention the website, ASI247.org? Angry words and honking cars, satellites and fallen stars, distant dark blue radios that whisper down my boulevards, ghosts and chains rattle in the attic, broken headphones filled with static, lonely room, you've got nowhere to run. Three, two, one for all and all for one. Times will be bad, times will be good, things I wish I hadn't done, and somehow I wish I would, cutting through the American noise, you've got a voice, in a song to I love that song because it harkens back 
to a kind of nervous excitement around change, right? There's a lot of people feeling that right now here in the summer of 2020, July, um, COVID-19, cases are up, deaths are down, at least here in my country. There's so much, you know, uncertainty around this virus and things we do know, a lot we don't know. When I was doing a word study on arousal, one of the definitions is nervous excitement. One of those synonym, antonym, curious, oh, right, I'm going nervous excitement. I was on the My Pilgrimage uh, Facebook group this morning and reading comments, and I love to see what's going on over there. Gives me a lot of hope seeing people working to find freedom, right? Working to get out of the prison, break the chains, the bars, so to speak. And someone had beautifully communicated some of this angst around change and also part of why (laughs) one of the big reasons I've lost something like five to seven hundred listeners in the last three years in this idea of Russ you've become more existential things seem to be less concrete with you right less black and white um don't you know <laughs> that's when when uh, this person who will remain anonymous uh brought this up right that that is so true, and it, and it harkens back to some of these older episodes. So here in season seven, doing a lot of like disclaimer work, you know, trying to uh, trying to unwind and maybe uh, clarify uh, where I've changed, where I don't believe a lot of the things I did in the beginning of these shows that are still, you know, online. If you start from the beginning, I don't believe a lot of that stuff or hold fast to it, so to speak. I do believe a lot of things. That, that I carried with me deep inside. But as far as the actions and the instruction and part of it's where I landed after believing that and teaching it for several years and, yes, becoming, you know, free, so to speak, from the compulsive behavior um, and then having struggles in my relationship with my wife, which really led to a lot of my own issues with intimacy, letting my wife in to the more vulnerable, you know, parts of myself, tender parts of myself that I wouldn't let her or anyone else for that matter really into yet. It's still really guarded on a deep level. And then discovering you know, through some listeners, like you're just out of touch, like you don't never saw Pornhub or, you know, some of these websites today, um, which was true. Like Pornhub didn't exist when I was in the sexually compulsive throes of this. So looking at that and then discovering incognito, um, yeah, that brought a whole nother, like this whole thing came rushing back like, oh my God, revelation. Like, I don't have to go through a bunch of work to hide my web history. You know, incognito. But was it compulsively, like, you know, masturbating and doing the secretive things I used to do all the time? I used to have porno movies on my little 8 millimeter camcorder thing, and, you know, before smartphones were a thing, watching them in the car. 
being excited about having the big eight inch flip out LCD screen on my, you know, eight millimeter videotape thing. Uh, this was, this was really compulsive behavior at that point in my life. But when I rediscovered it and it didn't have the same charge to it, that, and some of the things I practiced, not just practiced, but taught in the show, you know, being mindful of the thoughts that were introducing themselves to my mind, you know, watching your thought life and, you know, this is just other people having sex, having that attitude towards it, you know, that and many other things led to a depression, suicidal thoughts, um, not like uh, I'm so sad or I'm such a piece of crap or something like that, but more of these, you know, triggery, impulsive thoughts around ending my life. So, yeah, I had to go back in and talk to a therapist, started EMDR. This was about the time I met Seth and Amy. We did a, a RTT session uh, with Amy, Rapid Transformational Therapy. And these were points where I, you know, Mr. Like, I'm not wearing a mask. Like, I'm Mr. Right. I'll just tell you how it is. And I'm completely transparent and thinking that I was being vulnerable in that when I still had layers to peel off. And that's part of this process. Uh, so this morning, you know, reading this this uh, post, I had this moment of clarity. And I wanted to read you um, my response to that, you know, kind of existential angst, that question that... Really, there's no black and white, Russ. Like, you know, there's no answers. Come on. Um, what's What are you going to say next? You know, who's truth or right? <laughs> there is no truth. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, but here you go. I wanted to read this. This is my, my response back. And Russ at ASI247.org, if you would like to um, interact with some of these thoughts or you have questions or what it triggers or stirs up in you, I'd be really interested in, in hearing from you as listeners to the show. Um, again, Russ at ASI247.org. Here you go. Um, stand for something or fall for anything. It, yeah, it's not die. <laughs> I just realized that. Stand for something or fall for anything. You put that on t-shirts and mugs, especially in the South. You know, you go to Texas, you'll probably see that. Anyway, sorry. Um, love that line. I used to hold fast to that line. Still do to a degree. The question is, how does one define freedom? Answers are a tricky thing because we all know there are answers. Um, pause for a minute, right? Like you go to college and there's answers to tests. I mean, answers are a thing. We have to come to that conclusion. You get the engine light in your car, you know, you run a code. Uh, there's an answer. You got a question as a mechanic. I'm like, you got a question about your car. I got an answer. Um, it might not be the answer you want <laughs> in many cases, but the truth is there are answers. So to kind of dispel that or to get into this sort of Oh, there's no answers. It's just, I don't know. It sounds, it stirs up that attitude or reaction, kind of triggery anger around vague, right? The vagueness of things. And I think maybe in there, there's a, 
an interaction and relationship that I'm struggling with. Like, I don't trust someone who says, there are really no answers, Russ, right? Because, um, come on, right? <laughs> that's, there's some part of me that's reacting to that. Anyway, let me continue. Hopefully, um, revealing the layers here. Anyone struggling with compulsive or addictive behavior must realize that there are layers to the answers we seek. And maybe that's the beauty of and the blessing that is addiction, that there is something that must be worked out. As a guy who would work, drink himself unconscious as a teenager and later was addicted to methamphetamine and crack cocaine long before I started contending with pornography and sexually compulsive behavior, I realized if I did not deal with these things, they would kill me. Um, they were after me. I, I could use that language too. I'm pausing for a minute here. Um, and for my stubborn ass, that was the thing that started me on the path. I've mentioned that on the show too. There's a, there's a difference between studying the path Right, mapping out a path and walking a path. Continuing on. But I thought going to the spiritual depths meant clinging to my known Christian upbringing and familiar answers. I did not realize I was born into blind slavery. That's the thing about being addicted to certainty. We become certain, so certain about some of our answers, however shallow they may be, because they give us a sense of comfort, because they kept us, kept me um, from actually having to be vulnerable. I've learned over time one great question is better than or greater than 100,000 answers. The beauty of one great question is that it can unlock the death grip and seizure or stuckness of certainty. The religious tradition I grew up in was ripe with certainty addiction, and I've learned over time that certainty is an attitude that blocks me from the truth. I've also seen the academic-minded diving into some kind of existential soup of nihilism as a form of certainty. I'm certain nothing matters right? Nothing matters at all. I'm certain of that. Um, and in my depression would love to cling to that idea, truth be told. Um, I'm a firm believer that knowledge is power, but truth and answers have layers. I also started coming to the realization over time that I wasn't necessarily seeking truth as much as truth was seeking me. That's part of the Christian mystic in me as well. Um, some of the language in the Bible, Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Uh, the film, The Matrix, this line from the film Trinity says, um, the answers are out there, Neo. It's looking for you. And it will find you if you want it to. And Morpheus saying, I'm trying to free your mind, Neo. But all I can do is show you the door. You're the one who has to walk through it. I love that movie. So true. Um, this too. This is from a book I've been kind of geeking out on lately. Although I don't agree with everything the guy says. is very Eastern. Um, 
very Buddhist kind of thoughts here, but I love this. Um, We follow a spiritual approach promising salvation, miracles, liberation. Then we are bound by the golden chain of spirituality. Such a chain might be beautiful to wear with its inlaying jewels and uh, incarnate carvings. But nevertheless, it imprisons us. People think they can wear a golden chain for decoration without being imprisoned by it. Pause for a moment. Um, It's interesting in reading this book that Eastern religion, as well as Western, this guy is sort of talking about something I mentioned on the show years ago in the beginning, like shoving it in from the outside, right? Uh, Anyway, continuing on. But they are deceiving themselves as long as one's approach to spirituality is based upon enriching the ego, then it is a spiritual materialism, a suicidal process rather than a creative one. All of the promises we have heard are pure seduction. We expect our teachers to solve all of our problems. We expect to be provided with the magical means to deal with our depressions, our aggravations, our sexual hang-ups. But to our surprise, we begin to realize that this is not going to happen. It is very disappointing to realize that we might have to work on ourselves and our suffering rather than depend on a savior or a magical power, or yogic techniques. Um, In in my country, it would be, you know, church, or Jesus save me, or the altar call, so to speak, right? Um, It is disappointing to realize that we have to give up our expectations rather than build on the basis of our preconceptions. We must allow ourselves to be disappointed, which means... The surrendering of me-ness, my achievement. Treading the spiritual path is painful. It is a constant unmasking, peeling off layer after layer of masks. It involves insult after insult. Um, Delight, though, right? Delight in and of itself is the approach of sanity. Delight is to open the eyes to the reality of the situation rather than siding with this or that point of view. Um, That is from the book The Myth of Freedom by Kanjaman Tugpa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Probably not. Uh, This is a guy... We talked about the cave in the last episode. Uh, David, Seth, and I the meditator in the cave. The full title of the book is The Myth of Freedom and the Way of Meditation. Uh, I haven't updated the book list on the ASI247.org website, by the way, but you could Google that. The, um, that's That was this man, you know, in 1968, he comes out of his cave and starts teaching. He comes to the States and there's pictures of him. He's kind of dressed like a like Elton John or a rock star or something like that, which is like if you're me, uh, I always had a hard time trusting people in religious garb, whether it's Christian or Buddhist or whatever. Um, but yeah, he called it crazy wisdom. And that, that's that's crazy wisdom. 
in the Christian tradition, uh, the book of Romans talks about the, the truth is already in your heart, right? That we don't need to shove it in from the outside, that it's it's in there. The truth is in there looking for us. But that just so true. I don't have much to add, but I love you guys. Uh, hopefully this is making sense. If you have any questions about that or anything else for that matter, or just want to drop me a line and say hi, uh, russ at asi247.org is my email address. Um, Twitter handle at Russ Shaw, all one word. If you tweet, I don't tweet as much as I used to. Um, the Facebook group is Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. And um, you got to throw out my pilgrimage, the group. If you're really seeking to start on a pilgrimage rather than a new discipline or <laughs> right something like that. It's a way to be around other humans, other pilgrims, so to speak, in a time where, you know, going to a group and sitting face to face and eye to eye especially is not possible. This is a, a great little community, my pilgrimage, a group that's really more about you know, awakening and opening your eyes rather than the very, you know, especially in Christian culture, the popular idea of shoving something in from the outside. Yeah, check out uh, my pilgrimage. And thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye. Treasure maps, falling trees, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity is a listener-supported podcast. Do you like what you hear, here? Please leave a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or wherever you may be hearing this podcast. The podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, is owned by Digital Audio Project LLC who is responsible for its contents. SI, the podcast and its content is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional physiological, medical, legal, or other advice. In addition Russ makes no representations or warranties within or through the podcast or website. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional physiological or medical advice, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. Like the jams we play here on the podcast? Go to asi.org and follow the Kickin' playlist, or search ASI Podcast Bumps on Spotify. 
follow the bands if you like the music and get notifications for concert dates, merch, vinyl, and stuff. Okay bye now.